Right now we're in fellowship of God's Word and what a blessing it is to study His Holy Word. And we're going to be drawing from Matthew chapter 15. And if you have your Bible, I hope you have your Bible. I say if, you should have your Bible. Or if you got it on your phone, or if you don't have it on your phone, download it right now. And that way you can follow along and, um, and pay attention to the words of Jesus Christ and what our Savior has taught and, and given to us. Before we get into our message, let's pray together. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us and you are loving to us every day. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a holy life, that he died and he was buried and rose again. Father, we thank you for his words that guide us and give us instruction. We ask your blessings upon us this morning as we consider his words and the words of the Bible, that as he had all faith and trust in you, Father, and in your holy word, that we do the same, that we take from the Bible, and we allow these words to guide us, to lead us, to direct our lives. Father, we ask that you forgive us as we forgive others, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was thinking... um, last few days about how to introduce this message. And um, I have no background in farming or ranching, but it's always fascinated me. And I've been watching some of these videos and things I see on YouTube. Why? I don't know. They just grab my attention, okay? And a lot of them that get my attention lately have been these ranchers who have quit buying hay and they've been quit, they quit putting pesticide on uh, places on their ranch and killing certain plants. And they've been allowing the natural grasslands to grow back up. And their herds have been able to thrive. They're doing well. They're making more money now. And they've, been, they've taken those old things that they were doing and they put them away. And so I use that as an illustration this morning that we need to make changes and give up on old traditions and old ways of doing things, uh, oftentimes for the better. In the passage we're going to read this morning, Christ very much illustrates that and it teaches us that. And as uh, Craig just read for us about putting new wine into new wineskins, whereas if you put the new wine into old ones, they will, those wineskins will burst. They're made out of, of leather. And I know the King James there says bottles. Um, but the idea there and the teaching there from the Greek is the wineskins. And so as we, we look at that and we think about this and what we do with traditions, I had another idea that went along with that, and that is the same thing with a gardener. You know, once you start something new, a new hobby or something, and you work at it and you put time into it, and so like a, a gardener, when you, when you first start out, you don't, you make mistakes. But after time, you get some guidelines and you know how to get things to grow and you know how to fertilize them and treat them. But after that garden gets established, some of those guidelines don't apply anymore. They're not going to work anymore. And these things are true, as I'm illustrating with the the ranchers and with the gardener, is that those man-made traditions must always give way to God's way. They cannot overlap with God's word. And that applies today in many, many ways. A lot of our, our habits, our customs, our traditions, the things that we do, maybe in our family, and especially in a lot of churches today, and who Jesus is, we're going to see addressing here are these religious leaders who come up with religious traditions, and their traditions have become hurtful and harmful. They have become destructive. 
They've come up with these man-made traditions and they put them over God's word and it's causing problems. In this passage here in Matthew 15, I remember hearing it as a kid growing up and I remember as an adolescent and through, through my studies um, in, uh, in college, it just stood out to me that we live in a world where a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of religious leaders come up with man-made traditions that will eclipse and ignore and push, try to push aside God's commandments and His instructions. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Read 1 through 9. And then we're going to look at some of the layers there and some points to to pull out from the text and what Jesus is teaching us, what Christ would have us to do with this teaching today. You know, know, we we read it in its context, but we've got to apply it in our context and in our life. So Matthew chapter 15, 1 through 9, Jesus says this, Then the scribes and the Pharisees, you know who they are? The scribes are the scholars. The Pharisees are the preachers. They're the mainstream preachers. So you think about that today. The scholars, the religious scholars, and the the mainstream preachers. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus and saying, Why do your your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Notice that they're talking about transgressing as though it is a sin to go against the tradition of the elders. And what tradition was that? Well, it seems like a pretty good one right here, right? It says, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. In other words, they don't always wash their hands. And uh, I'll confess, sometimes I don't wash my hands before I eat. I just don't. Uh, I got some guys that I work with. We get our hands dirty a lot. And uh, they're always washing their hands. And I'm like, ah, it's just a tradition. No, there's a good thing behind that, of course. But this tradition here, it had nothing to do with that. It had, had nothing uh, to do, and they're thinking, they, they've come up with these ideas and these traditions, and they come from a long time ago for a reason that they've long forgotten that why, why they're doing it. So let's keep reading here in verse 3. He answered and said to them, why do you also, this is what Jesus says back to him, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? You take these traditions and you use them to put aside God's commandments is what he's saying. Look at verse 4. For God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. God commanded that. Who said that? Moses did in the old law. Christ is quoting it. He's quoting scripture. He's relying upon the Bible. And he says, you're putting aside those commandments and those instructions for your own tradition. What tradition? Look at verse five. He says, but you say, whoever says to his father, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father and mother. In other words, what they're saying there is I've already given my money to the temple or to God, and I've dedicated it to them. And so, mom and dad, I don't have enough money to take care of you. I can't help you. The priorities are wrong. And there's another side to this as well. You remember over in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, he addressed those who gave for show. Last Wednesday night, we had a little bit of discussion in the lobby about that, how there's some businesses and corporations out there, they'll have a press conference, they come out with the big check, right, to give to some charitable cause, and they do that. And why do they do that? Well, they're trying to make themselves look good and the company look good and others, and that's the kind of thing that Jesus tells us 
that we shouldn't be doing, not giving for show, that our, hand, our one hand should not know what the other hand is doing as far as giving. And so when we read right here in verse 5, they make a show out of their giving. And they're not willing to give that up so that they can care for their, their parents. Look at, um, look at the next passage here. It says, Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And Jesus He doesn't hold back at this point. He says, hypocrites. Hypocrites. You're actors. You're pretenders. You're putting on the facade of being religious, but you're you're just following tradition. And you do it because it makes you feel better, because you want to do it your way, because God's commandments don't give you what you want. That's why you're doing it. And look at verse 7. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you? So Jesus still speaking, and there he quotes Scripture again. And what does Isaiah quote? What does he say there? He says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. All right? They praise God, they talk about God, and they worship, they speak well of God, but their heart is far from me. How does he know their heart's far from them? Because they'd rather keep their way of doing things rather than keep God's commandments. And then Jesus says, and in vain they worship me. Their worship, their praise, their thanksgiving, it's vain, it's empty, it's meaningless. And he says this, this is what they teach. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Does that describe our, the religious world today, Christendom? Does that describe many of the churches out there? Are they all about tradition? Will they rather follow tradition, man-made tradition, rather than keep God's words and follow His commandments? I find that very, to be very true. I think it's very observable. Some other thoughts here as I was looking over this. is We see here, and this is another thought here, the elders, these, these elders here, that they're saying, you need to keep the traditions elders. What's the job of elders? The job of the elders is, is what? It's not to maintain their traditions, but to uphold God's word. And in the church, as we have elders, it says in Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, that the job of the elders is to, are to be stewards, managers, upholding God's word, correcting those who are in error, and teaching the truth, upholding the God's commandments. And this, these elders aren't doing that. They're, they've given these traditions, and now the scribes and the Pharisees, these preachers and scholars, are holding to them rather than God's commandments. You know what else stands out to me here is that many would, again, follow their traditions rather than do what's best for their family. I'm just going to keep doing the way things and keep doing the way that has been. And it doesn't matter. You can see where their heart is, their care for their family, the fact that they'd rather give for them their own selves for their own show. And when the traditions of men, as we see right here, are revered, we also see this. When people revere these certain traditions, these religious traditions, they will take the commandments of God and they will easily set them aside. That shows that they have a lack of reliance in God in His Word. They'd rather do it another way, their way, or the way that has been passed down to them. And again, those who teach the commandments of men, their hearts are far from God. And even though they might praise God and speak well of Him, their hearts are far from Him. And so, as we read here, they worship God in vain. 
I hope that we don't worship God in vain, that when we sing songs this morning, that the words that we say have meaning and purpose to it, that we mean the things that we say, we mean the things that we proclaim and we confess as Christians. So as I think about these words of Christ, they've stuck with me for a long time. And they put the influence upon me that I want the commandments of God over the tradition of men. Now, there are some traditions that are just unavoidable. You drove here this morning. You wore certain clothes this morning. Um, you, you use the songbook this morning. Some churches, they use the screen. Doesn't matter. Okay. Some churches, they have pews. Some of them have um, the different chairs that are connected together. Oh, that's fine. Um, those are, of course, expedient. But if any one of those were to simply take the commandment of God and set it aside, then you definitely have a problem. When I look at these old traditions and these traditions of men that are leading people astray, I, I, it's, a, it's like um, an old map that some explorers have found that leads them again to some of the right places, leads them to some inaccurate places, and leads them into some traps. That's what is happening here. And one of our scripture readings that Garland did for us was Colossians 2.8. <clears throat> Remember what we read. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. These traditions have been used, religious traditions have been used to deceive people, to con people. And there's, there's, there's many of these con artists out there, these false teachers doing that very thing. And he says, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Christ is not their foundation. And so they have a problem. They go astray. They'd rather go after the ways of men. I want you to look a little bit further in Matthew 15. Look with me there again in Matthew 15, verses 10 through 14. I wanted to keep reading here, but my wife looked over and she said, no, you just need to read these. So I abbreviated it, and I think she's right. I'm always looking for not reading too much. Uh, But I want you to look at verses 10 through 14. Now when he had called the multitude to himself. Okay, so Jesus has corrected the Pharisees and the scribes. Now the crowds have come to him. And he said to them, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. You know, as far as washing hands and what you eat and the food. He says, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. You know, whether his worship is vain or whether the things that come out of his mouth are evil and wicked. And he goes down and gives a whole list of that of murders and adulteries and so forth. The things that men will say. And then keep reading there. Verse 12, we read this. Then his disciples, Jesus' disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Of course, Jesus knew that. Jesus offended people all the time. And he all often offended the religious leaders. He understood that. And I guess in a lot of people's thinking, don't, don't offend them. And especially hear from his disciples. But look at verse 13. Jesus answered them and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Now you can take that in a number of ways. Whether it's those men who are engaging in vain uh, worship, who are teaching as um, their, their traditions as the commandments of God, or whether it's the traditions themselves, they're going to be uprooted. And then Jesus says, let them alone. Let them alone. And that's something wise to hear there about these religious leaders. Let them alone. Why? They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. They're going to go the way that they want to go. They're not following the light of God. 
They're going to stumble. They're going to fall into a ditch. Let them go. Let them alone. So I think about those words of Christ. And I find them very um, encouraging, actually. It's encouraging to me that I don't have to keep up and keep this, the, the same traditions. That we can make changes, but the changes that we ultimately have to make is toward God's commands at all time. When, whenever I open my Bible and read the commandment of God and I see we're not doing that, I need to encourage those around me. This is what God commands. This is what He instructs. Let's do that. Think again about the parable of the wineskins. But Jesus there is illustrating what it means. And, and they're like, why don't y'all fast? That was the question. Why don't your disciples not fast like John's disciples fast? Like we fast. And what's Jesus teaching them? He tells them that, again, the bridegroom is here. This is a time for celebration. It's not a time of fasting. It's not time for the same traditions. They had the things that they practiced, whether under John or from um, whatever tradition that was around the law of Moses. But things have changed. Christ has come. He is the new wine. His teaching is the new wine. And so there are new ways of doing things. And we come to the New Testament, we see that. We don't follow the, the things in the Old Testament. We don't keep those old commandments and the ceremonial laws from, from Moses. We see things have changed. You think about this today. Whatever trade you're in, you can make application to this. You know, an apprentice, someone who's just coming and learning for the first time, say a carpenter, he will learn from a skilled carpenter and he will follow strictly what he's been instructed to do. But when the master carpenter comes along and shows him a better way, he's going to go that way. And in this case, we have Christ coming, showing a better way. Here's the good way. Any good carpenter, when he finds a new tool, is going to use it rather than use the traditional ones. He's going to use what's more efficient and effective. And God has given us that. Christ has given us that. There are traditions that we are to keep. And the only traditions that we as Christians are to keep are the commandments of God. Listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Paul says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. What traditions? You keep reading and you see the Lord's Supper there. You see how the assembly is organized. You see how they did the collection and how they met on the first day of the week. You read that there in 1 Corinthians Listen to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Paul says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by my word or our epistle. So whether coming from the apostles and prophets, you listen to us, you do well, you stand firm, you hold to the traditions that have been delivered to you, that you are delivered to others. That's the idea of the word and what meaning of the tradition. And there it's talking about the commandment of God. I think about this, and I make application to myself personally as far as the changes I have to make. I think about uh, you know, the things that I eat. Think about a diet. If you're, anybody, you ever started a diet and it works at first and then it quits? Quits working. And it's like a lot of traditions. People start doing it and then some just keep on doing it. Some people eat in a certain way or have to pick up the new Western diet that's been hurting a lot of people and they keep eating that way. 
And yet, the smart thing to do would be for us to eat what God's given us to eat. Give, eat the food that God has given to us, that the Bible tells us to eat what God has given us and He has created in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 3. And so when I think about that, I think about the same thing. These traditions that we see in the, in the world, that a lot of churches, they will give up the commandment of God, believers will, for their own traditions. And I want to share a few of those with you before we conclude uh, this morning. It is morning. All right. So as far as the traditions of men today, I think the most common one we see is that many make baptism out to be merely a symbolic sign. And you hear that. You know, so many I, I love and I care about and yet, well, baptism is not that important. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing really to do in regards to your faith. And they couldn't be any more wrong about it. And Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Peter says in 1 Peter three twenty one, baptism now saves you. Not a washing away of the filth of the flesh, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can go through the list of scriptures in Acts twenty two sixteen and Acts two thirty eight and so forth that tell us that when we're baptized in Jesus' name, our sins are forgiven. This is when we are saved. That's what the Bible teaches. And baptism partakes of the saving message, the very power of your salvation, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You go to Romans chapter 6 and you look in verses 3 and 4 and the Bible says that baptism is when you unite with Jesus Christ. So when those who come along with their traditions today and they'll say, well, say this prayer or believe this thing or do this or make this confession rather than teaching what the Bible says in regards to what God has commanded, what Christ has commanded, what the apostles have commanded in the Bible, they have gone astray. They've traded the commandments of God for the traditions of men. And that definitely stands out today as a marker. Another thing that stands out, another three things. I probably won't spend as much time on these, but this is it. But make, many churches make one man over the whole congregation or over the whole church or whole hierarchy. Rather than following what's in the Bible, the only man who's over the whole church is Jesus Christ. He's the head. And the Bible tells us that elders are to guide and give instruction to churches. I rejoice every time I hear of a church repenting and, and doing away the pastoral system and coming in and saying we need elders. That's what the Bible teaches. The churches in the very beginning had elders, and so will we. And you can read more about that in 1 Peter um, chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, and 1 Timothy chapter 3. We see this as well. Many churches make communion as being occasional. When you open your Bible and you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, what do you read? It says, when they assembled together as Christians, and he got on to them because you were not gathering to eat of the Lord's Supper. You made it into something else. Paul corrected them for that. He, the implication is very clear. When you're assembling as Christians, when you're together as a whole congregation 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 23, it is to commune. It is to break bread. It is to, to partake of the Lord's Supper. And the very pattern of the apostles was to do it on the first day of the week, to assemble in Acts 20 and verse 7, and to do it the way that they gave instruction and how it is in the Bible. So to make communion, to make the Lord's Supper occasional, is another marker of man-made tradition 
over the apostolic biblical way. And when Paul says, keep the traditions just as I've given them to you. And lastly, one that we often see and many people when they come into our churches recognize is singing. All right. And many churches today will make singing into a contemporary show. And it turns into this at the very beginning, the first 30 minutes of it is a show. There might be lasers. There might be a fog machine. Depends what church you go to. There might be a great band and all these wonderful, these great singers. It's a show. And then the last half of it is where they get a little sermonette or something, some kind of sermon. Um, If you can call it that sometimes, that's another discussion. And uh, I'm not saying all of them don't just go to the God's word and draw from it, but many do not. So what's going on there? When we open our Bibles, we go to Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. When we go to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. And when we go to Romans chapter 15 and verse 6. And we see them singing as a congregation with one voice. We see them singing together. And we see them speaking words to edify and encourage one another. And that they are giving thanks to God. The emphasis is on the words. And it's on the fact that the whole congregation as a body is engaged in worship. And we're not there to be entertained or to see a show. That's not the kind of singing we see in the scriptures. So I encourage you this morning as we look at the words of Christ and what he says in regards to the traditions of men, they should never overlap or put aside the commandments of God. And what God has given us as instructions is what's best for us. It's what we need. We need congregational singing. I don't think we need another show. You can go watch that on TV. All right. And you can go down the list. I need communion. I need it because Christ instructed and gave it to me the way that it's in the scriptures. I need to be a part of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and uphold that gospel because he gave it to me. And it's a commandment from him. God loves us. Christ loves us. He's not giving us commandments because they're arbitrary or because he's trying to be a tyrant. God's given us what is good for us. What nourishes us. And when we set those things aside for traditions, we're setting aside healthy food for junk food. God doesn't want that for us. I cannot emphasize this morning how much an impression these words of Jesus have made upon me, my beliefs, my personal convictions, and what I've seen among many of our brethren Many preachers among the Church of Christ this morning preaching similar things, going to God's Word rather than going to the traditions of men. We need to have the same conviction of, as, as Christ. We need to think the way that Jesus does. We need to uphold God's commandments over the, our own wants, our own customs, and our own habits. I encourage you this morning, don't follow the traditions of men and what people say in regards to salvation. Go open your Bible and study it. If you've never studied what the Bible says about baptism, you can do that real easy. You go on your Google machine and you type in Bible verses about baptism and you'll get a long list of them. I've told a number of people to do that a number of times uh, over and over again. I've given out post-it notes on, on Bibles with just a list of those scriptures. And that's been more effective than anything else I've ever done to convince people of what the Bible has to say about what the Bible says. And the Bible says, when you read baptism, is that it's when you, that's when you're forgiven of sins. That's when you're saved. 
That's when you're united with Christ. That's when you're added to the church. You need to obey the gospel this morning and die to your old self and repent. Uh, be baptized in the waters of baptism and rise in newness of life. We give you the opportunity now. We want to encourage you in every way. We want to pray with you. Let's stand. Let's sing together.